now is God for these cats. And big, you know you're too hard for these cats. I'ma win cause I'm too smart for these cats. While they making up facts, uh, you making up plaques. In the commission, you ask for permission to hit him. He don't like me, him and wild wife. Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Nation podcast. I'm Mark Cook, along with my boss, Mr. Scott Reynolds. That be me. Fresh off of uh, his trip to Raymond James Stadium to watch the Buccaneers live. Me and about uh, about 60 other people. Total. Very good. You and Brett Favre. Yeah, not 60,000. 60. Just 60. You know, and they kept talking about how Brett Favre was going to... I mean, I'm sorry that Tom Brady was going to improve attendance. Well, I saw an empty stadium today, so throw that out the window. (laughs) All right, also... (laughs) The marriage is over, man. They're having buyer's remorse. Um, The other voice you just heard, of course, is John Ledyard. How are you today, John? I'm doing wonderfully. Thanks to Tampa Bay Buccaneers win. That makes it nice. And and Matthew Matera is producing. I don't even know if Matt has a microphone or not, but um, just wave at the camera so nobody can see it. Okay, good. He's there. Good. All right, well, let's just get this thing started right away. Um, Bucks win! Didn't really that? need to go that crazy loud. It's exciting, but not quite that exciting, Scott. By the way, yeah. you should be tired. You've been up since early this morning covering a game. You should not have this much energy. Uh, Maybe it's delirium. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, well, it was nice seeing the Buccaneers not blow a game because for a minute there in the third quarter, it looked it like, looked it, like it, it might be the Giants game all over again. Yeah. Big lead at halftime. And then it's a tale of two halves for the Buccaneers uh, doing everything right, seemingly in the first half. And then in the second half, uh, just a lot of things went wrong for the Buccaneers. But with Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette, it's a different story in Tampa Bay because this team didn't choke away the game and they actually won. And, you know, you look at this game, guys, and they, they put up 31 points. They had 21 points at halftime. Leonard Fournette ices the game with a beautiful breakaway touchdown run. Uh, Ryan Jensen did a fantastic job up the middle. Uh, Mike Evans had a nice little shove at the end there to really uh, allow Leonard Fournette out the gate. And this was a game that that left me wondering what this offense can look like if it can, if it can just roll for four straight quarters. If it can put together an entire quarters, one, two, three, and four together, how many points can they score and and what type of, of team can this be? Because I didn't think Carolina was was that good, but the Buccaneers again in that third quarter, we saw them try to self-destruct, but they just couldn't pull it off this time. And thankfully for Tampa Bay, it didn't happen. And well, maybe they're turning a leaf and becoming winners. Well well, Byron Leftwich did everything he could, I think, to help the Panthers <laughs> get back in that game in the second half. I mean, I, I really you know, I really attribute a lot to that to coaching. Some of the play calling was just head scratching. If if the Buccaneers have learned uh, learned anything, they should learn that no lead is safe. Twenty one points right. is nothing. You don't come out in the third quarter and let's just, just try and the establish Falcons, the run right? and they, just exactly. ask the Atlanta Falcons. There's a great point right there. I mean, I, I, I this offense, I don't know what it can be because it took it really took Byron Leftwich part of the season last year to really figure out what he could do best with. Jameis Winston and that group of, of receivers and things. And, and I think he's starting all over essentially with Tom Brady. And um, to me, I, I, I pin a lot of the trouble in the second half directly on, on the coaching staff, particularly Byron Leftwich. I think they, I mean, certainly Bruce Arians has a say in things as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think they went fairly conservative. And- yeah, but you know what, Mark? And, and John, I want you to touch on this, all right? You know, you know what Byron Leftwich discovered in the second half of that game? 
that Leonard Fournette is RB1 for this football team. Because sure. Leonard Fournette, in his second game as a Buccaneer, topped the century mark at 103 yards and two touchdowns. He had two runs over 20 yards in this game, including the 46-yarder to seal the, the win. But, John, it took Ronald Jones. and Now, he's, he's in, I think, game 26 of his NFL career. And he's had one. He's had one 100-yard game. Just so one. Have you, have you seen enough? If you're Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich, you're starting Leonard Fournette, John, in, uh, in week three at Denver? I mean, I honestly don't think it matters. I, I think these guys are, you know, everybody can do a little bit of something. You know, um, McCoy's drops today certainly didn't help his case to, to be playing. I think Rojo and Fournette both can, can play, and I think that both are fine. And, you know, if the, the offensive line and the scheme are right, I think that this team – I mean, look at Fournette's touchdown. I mean, he, he hadn't done anything before that 20-some yard run, neither had Rojo. I mean, there was just nothing yeah. there – there to, to, to run to. And so, you know, I thought we got the, we got a good view of, of his 46 yard touchdown. He wasn't touched. I mean, it's just a matter of running fast in a straight line, you know? And, and so uh, I think that, uh, I think that the, both of those guys can play. I think now Rojo, the, the thing that would make the difference to me and what you're saying is Rojo's mistakes like that, like the, the fumbled handoff from, I mean, like, but you should be like looking that ball in and like, you should be having your arm and there's no space between his arms. It's just like such a basic mistake. You don't yeah. see that very often. And so I, you know, those kind of things with him are just kind of frustrating. I thought last week he definitely looked a little bit more explosive than Fournette. I still think that's probably always going to be the case. Yeah. Fournette is like fast once he gets going, but right. really we're talking about, to me, it's like splitting airs. None of these guys, the thing that shows up consistently with all of them is they don't make people miss and they don't break a ton of tackles. And I don't know that that's going to really change, which is why I'm like, you don't have special running backs on this team. You have, you know, solid players who can get the job done, and that's fine. That's all you need in today's NFL. Look at the Chiefs last year. I could name a bunch of teams. But you don't need a, a, a – you know, every team doesn't need a Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara. They don't to be successful. And I think the Bucs don't have one, so don't feature the guys. But when you need to, I think both of them can probably get the job done. Fournette near the goal line would be definitely the guy that I would be going to. And I don't, Mark, I don't know Mark, that I, I don't know that that Ronald Jones doesn't bust that forty-six yard run there at the end, just because we we see that all the time when teams sell out, knowing they have to stop the other team and try and get the ball back. They're going to stack the line of scrimmage. Scott, you remember Carnell Cadillac Williams in that game against Minnesota? Yeah, uh, um, uh, you know, had a decent game until that seventy-five yard run or whatever it was that right. put his cleats in the Hall of Fame. You know, it, it happens on those long bursts towards the end of the game. Um, you know, I think the two kind of complement each other to a degree. The commentators talked about it, you know, the speed of Rojo and the and the power of Fournette. I don't know that that's necessarily true because yeah. really they're very similar. Certainly I agree with guy. I agree with John that, that I think the initial explosiveness uh out of the gate, Ronald Jones has that, but but Leonard's Leonard's got that I don't want to call it a second gear, but he's got that, you know, downhill where you know guys don't really want to get in his way, particularly in the fourth quarter. I wouldn't want to try and tackle the guy head up anyway. Well, I think the best thing Fournette did today wasn't even that 46-yard touchdown run. To me, it was the the route that put on third down that put them at the one-yard line. He scored on the next play, yeah. I think, the one-yard. Yeah. I mean, that route, like he was covered. He breaks out to the corner, and then he cuts back into the middle of the field away from coverage, like run away from man coverage in the scramble drill and things break yeah. down. And he did that, and it was a really heads-up play, and it was a great throw by Brady um, when he made the adjustment. It was a great catch, and then getting him down to the one-yard I mean. To me, that was the best play he made in the entire game, and that's something. I mean, I think both these guys have, you know, through two games, we've seen very. We haven't seen a ton of them as receivers, 
but clearly both of them have been better than LaShawn McCoy as receivers. I don't think there's any question there. Well, so yeah. the McCoy was the late down back, like in the first game against the Saints. He was the guy that played like the whole fourth quarter when they were in those situations where they're going or trying yeah. to throw every down and his protection was terrible in that game. And then the drops today. So to me, the real McCoy's played himself out of playing time, I think. And those guys, you know, Rojo's just been what you kind of expect. And, you know, Fournette, that I liked what I saw in that play from him uh, in the passing game. And so I'd like to see if they can maybe keep building on that. We know Aaron's has had some success with those guys. And Ronald Jones had 10 yards per catch last season. And so if he can get both of them to improve as route runners and receivers, I think that's a huge step in the right direction because that's the I, important stuff. I, I disagree on the, on the McCoy thing. Yeah, the, the obviously dropping a touchdown is awful. And he had another drop where he tried to run before he had the ball. But I thought he was, you know, the weapon that they wanted in that first quarter um, when he he was able to convert a couple first downs on pass receptions, well, you know he, I was thinking that, my... but but Mark he, five catches for twenty six yards. His longest play was seven yards. He had one carry for minus five yards. He had the touchdown drop. It, to me, and, and I think I think you're seeing why why Shady is is now on his third team in three years is because he's really yeah, at the end of not, his career. He's, yeah, well, lacks I, I explosiveness. Agree, but it they just, still is not the player he used to be. But but when I was watching that first quarter, I remember reading what John wrote about uh, when when McCoy was signed when he did the film breakdown that he's a good guy if he can get in a little bit of space, he can make a couple guys miss, and he can you know fall forward. Right? We saw that. I don't think Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette um, are able to make guys miss on that third down reception that he had in the first quarter that he was able to you know barely get a half yard yeah. more than he needed. I don't I don't think those guys those two guys can do that. We thought Dario Wambale maybe was going to be that guy. Obviously, he's not even on the team anymore. So he's still that, you know, if you want to call him a scat back, uh, uh, you know, an old scat back. But yeah. he, he does bring something a little different than those other two guys. And I don't think I don't think Bruce is ready to give up on him yet. You saw him giving him a big I, I hug. Don't, I don't think he's I don't think he's going to give up on him. But but I, I have to think that when you look at production and productivity, you, you know, that, that's a that's a perfect touchdown pass from Tom Brady. And they had to settle for a field that was goal. A heck and of a throw. What a throw that was. Best it was throw a, of the day. Best yeah, throw of it the was. day. And, I mean, and, and, the one that Scotty Miller was just as good, too. Uh, yeah, I know. Scott, you don't give up on Scotty Miller, though. No, but I'm not saying you give up on him, but it's it just you have to feed the Scotty guys. Four, three. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the difference. All, all for <laughs> a whopping one catch today, though. <laughs> I know. Well, if you look at Tom Brady's day, we talked about the drop that, that Shady had and the drop that. That Scotty Miller had. Cyril Grayson also had a drop touchdown. I mean, Tom Brady. Well, his face dropped the ball. His, well, his that's face. true. <laughs> he, he, I guess, and Bruce Arians thinks he has great hands, but he has an awful face because yeah. he didn't catch the ball <laughs> when it hit him in the helmet. That comment was funny. Bruce yeah. should, should remind him to use those great hands that he thinks he has. Yeah, rather than the face catch mask. Catch it with his face mask, you know, yeah. Probably increase the chances of catching the ball slightly. That may go down as the only attempt he ever has in the NFL, honestly. He's back on the practice squad this week. and I'm cutting the guy. I'm cutting him. I'm surprised Brady didn't cut him right after that. I I don't understand why why this team – they need to pull the plug in the Cyril Grayson experiment. I'm writing about this in my two-point conversion. He's a track (laughs) guy. He's not a football player. And and I I have to beg to differ with the head coach. Um, And he has seen Cyril Grayson a lot more than I have. But the times that I have been out at at training camp practice – he 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 caught. Um, I should say he dropped probably seven passes in one day, maybe ten in one day. He couldn't mm-hmm. catch a cold, and and it's like find somebody else who's fast. There's there's a lot of fast guys out there. Uh, find somebody who has some experience catching the ball though, 
And I don't know why you're putting him in the game there over Jaden Mickens, who is a more accomplished receiver. But if you look at, at Brady's day, 23 out of 35, 217 yards, one touchdown, one interception. It looks kind of pedestrian. It looks a little bit like he did last week. But he had three touchdown passes that were dropped. Now, now Brady is not just without fault. Because right. on the flea flicker, he woefully underthrew a little bit yeah. of a wobbly pass. He never grabbed the laces, they were saying on the on the broadcast. When it got pitched back to him, he didn't yeah. have the laces, but he I, saw him open and wanted to get yeah. it out there. So I, he, I, I he think, hit Watson, but yeah. that should have been a touchdown pass to right. Watson. They ended up scoring a touchdown uh, on, on that drive anyways. But mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, Tom Brady should have had one of those DraftKings fantasy football, wow, I'm glad I drafted him <laughs> kind of days, you know. For the second week in a row, it should have been a lot better on the stat sheet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. remember the, the pass interference penalty oh, yeah. could go. But I also think the interception, you know, we're, we're, we're picking and choosing some things here. But isn't it wild that so far we talk about all this chemistry and how are these guys going to come together? How's everybody going to gel with no offseason and a new quarterback? He the can't hear Gronk. That, that the pair that looks the most Gronk. lost is Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. I mean, yeah. I wrote about it this past week, but Rob Gronkowski – trying to convert he's running down the seam and it's middle of the field open read and he should be bending his route to the middle of the field last week brady throws it to the middle of the field gronk never breaks he keeps running a straight yeah. line tampa two he's got the defender over the top he breaks to the middle of the field there's nobody there he doesn't break off his route i mean this week the, the interceptions over his head i don't know there's somewhat of a miscommunication there but it certainly looked like that one was on brady then yeah. the drop well, he down got the hit. seam, Gronkowski. He got hit as he threw that one. but Yeah, he kind of got hit as he threw a little bit. I think Brady was kind of leaning back away from what he knew the hit was coming, and I think the ball just kind of took off on him a little bit because of that. But then later in the game, he drew a perfect throw to Gronk down the seam. Everybody's going to say, oh, Brady threw 17 yards in the second half. Yeah, well, LaShawn McCoy dropped the touchdown. Justin Watson dropped the third down. Uh, he got hit as he threw on the illegal hands of the face by Derek Brown. Gronkowski drops one down the seam, and I know they called DPI anyway, but it was – not a good call. Gronkowski just dropped it. And it begs the question, at one point are we going to start talking about Rob Gronkowski? It's only week two, and I'm not throwing in the towel. But, I mean, blocking, I think, has been fine. Like, from what I watched last week, I'll watch again this week. Yeah, but, John, they're not paying him $9 million to but, block. Right? right. That's And, like, I just don't – he's not giving anything as a receiver. I can't understand the complete lack of chemistry yeah. between he and Brady right now. And, and the Gronk just seems, like, out of it. Like, he doesn't seem like he – he, he, did, for him. he does not look like the Gronk of, you know, two years ago, the last time he played. I remember that the last game I remember him playing was, the I don't Super remember Bowl. the Super Bowl, but I remember yeah. the game, that AFC championship game. Remember that Tony Romo was calling that last drive when they were driving down against the Chiefs. I think that's when D4 jumped all sides and gave him another chance. Anyway, he hit, Bra- he hit Gronk about three times on, on, on that mm-hmm. drive to put him ahead and end up winning that game. And, um, you know, that's that's the last time we saw really Gronk being Gronk, to be honest with you. Not ready to give up on that guy yeah. yet either. But but listen, guys, here we've spent 15 minutes complaining about this football team, talking about all the negatives. They won. They won. Yeah. And, they and, they, and, 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 Scott, you're absolutely right. It was they didn't a game, blow it. And I think all Buccaneer fans in that third quarter when it was 21 to 14, mm-hmm. um, was in, and even before, and, and John wrote about it in his turning point, and I think he nailed it, Turning point was Carlton Davis making a huge, huge yeah. momentum-changing interception because the, the Panthers had all the momentum in the world uh, on that drive. They had just completed a 39-yard pass. Don't know what the hell happened with Sean Murphy bunting and, and the safety on that, um, but that was just bad. And, and they had all the momentum in the world. And Carlton said uh, after the game that that was a play that he had actually got beat on earlier in the game. 
And he kind of guessed they were going back to it, and they did, and he was able to jump the route and make the play. Something that we haven't seen from Carlton Davis, we always joked the last couple of years, Scott, that he was allergic to the football. Like, he, yeah. could, he could get close to it, but there was, like, some sort of well, wall or beam yeah. or the number change. The number it's like change a force field. Yeah. <laughs> right, a force field. Yeah. The, the crazy thing is he has two career interceptions now, and they're both, like, highly dramatic interceptions. <laughs> they're not easy. Like, they're, he's, he's leaning, he's diving, he's – falling back, making these interceptions. So hats off to Carlton Davis for really becoming a ball hawk at the right time. But you know, Mark, when you, you look at this Buccaneer victory here, <laughs> it's like, back. It, it, well, it's, it's like the old days we see where, where the, the defense would come up with a big fourth quarter takeaway and then give it back to the A train and he would run it in for a touchdown and they Buccaneers would seal the deal. And that's it, really what it felt like. It, it felt was. like, like Very you're waiting for – you're waiting for the Buccaneers to collapse, but no, they revert back to their old ways. Maybe it's the old uniforms that are now the new uniforms. I don't know, but but they certainly they certainly were playing winning football in the fourth quarter with Carlton Davis's interception, and then that that Leonard Fournette touchdown drive uh, or touchdown run to, to really seal the win. That's complimentary football. That's what's been missing on a regular basis from the Buccaneers. But but um, how about Ryan Suckup? Let's talk about the special teams. It was very. Sh- non-existent today for the most Mark, part no, there was no, 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 no major no, no. errors don't jinx him went out he just went out there in that south end zone and knocked two extra points right him. through there don't with do the it. wind and everything i'm not Mark, he's good stop stop he's stop, just good he's stop, the answer stop it's stop. over the curse is over matt bryant no. curse is over no 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 mark no no okay mark we'll just delete mark, that part the, of the, the podcast the, the kicker did his job Period. The end. That's it. We're moving on. <laughs> Defensively, I thought the Bucks gave. I thought they were worse in this game than they were against the Saints. But they made the opportunistic plays that they didn't make against the Saints. They got the turnovers, the five sacks. You know, I thought the interior guys got a good push. The Panthers' O line was overwhelmed by some of the blitzes. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I was watching tape of the Raiders game, and I was like, man, the Raiders left some interceptions on the field, and that's one of the things I was thinking to myself was like. I guarantee you Teddy puts the ball in harm's way today and we'll see if guys make plays. And they made plays, and that was the difference. I mean, that, honestly, the Carolina that was the way difference. too many open receivers, yep. way too many holes in the zone. Um, and and I didn't think that I didn't think that Jack Barrett was visible enough for a guy right. that's trying to be who you need him to be. But the interior guys did well. A lot of stunts and games up front got other players free. They yeah, got Bruce talked about that. Too, and Bruce, so that Bruce talked cute. about you know the the. Carolina was going to keep the edge guys. You know, they they were selling out to keep the edge guys off the quarterback for the most part, which opened things up maybe in the middle a little bit more. But, but and I will say this about Shaq because I I was thinking to myself, okay, here's two games, no sacks. Um, but but he's showing up on the stat sheet at least. I mean, he's he's a hustle guy. He's making tackles. He's he's running guys down from behind. He's setting the edge somewhat. And I think he was a big part of Christian McCaffrey having a yeah. I agree today. So I'm not ready to, to beat him up at all. Well, he's although. a guy, too, Mark, that can get sacks in bunches. We've That's seen that. Yeah. You know? yeah. He's he capable through, of getting he two went or three through a sacks period, a game. He went through a period last year um, right before JPP came back where he had a sure. couple games where you know he was kind of shut out. So mm-hmm. I think he'll be fine as well. Um, but, let's, but you, let's, you know, he, he, hold on. Here's the thing. I want to stick on this point for a second because you're right. All the attention was getting paid to Shaq. It's paying off for, for the guys on the inside. And I gave Indomitian Sue a lot of crap last week. For, for not doing anything outside of uh, a neutral zone infraction and and one tackle. And he comes up big today against the run with five tackles. Two of those were sacks. So the old man still showing that he can collapse a pocket 
And, and when he gets his mitts on a quarterback, the quarterback's usually going down. And how about Will Colston um, with his sack yeah. for the year, you know, coming already in week two? He usually gets <laughs> one sack a year. Right. So we'll see if he can double his, his usual sack output and have another one at some point in time this season. But Will Colston's off to a tremendous start. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only had two tackles today. He wasn't the force in the run game from, from a tackles perspective. But boy, holding um, things up though, man, he was he dominating is. the point of attack. Yes, he yeah, is. Those guys played well up front. I mean, the run game continues, or the run defense continues to be a huge part of. I mean, the success of the team. Like they just other teams. You can say what you want about you know. I don't. Th- I think pass defense more important than run defense for sure. But when other teams are trying to establish the run on you and they can't do it, and they don't have great quarterback play, you know, the Saints, Drew Brees didn't play great in that game. Right. Teddy Bridgewater today at times there was fine when the Bucks were leaving guys open, but. Too many mistakes in that game. So when you put the onus back on the pass game, even if you wilt a little bit, it's still nice to be able to put quarterbacks in a situation that they're not comfortable being in. And that's what the Bucs are able to do because the run defense has been so good with those guys up front. I really think that D-line, a ton of credit to them. And I thought today it's always about that extra guy in the box, right? And Jordan Whitehead is the extra guy in the box. Yeah. And he was terrific in run defense. That's where he needs to be. If he's going to shine, we talked a lot last week, but how exposed he was in coverage, and he was. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's overmatched in that role. If you ask him to step out wide when you flex a Jared Cook out uh, and put him on the backside of three-by-one, he's going to get exposed. That's what's going right. to happen. John, but John, if you, you let him be like a linebacker, I think he's a good player. Right, John. and you, you talk about, about being the linebacker, and that's really kind of what he was when he intercepted that, that overthrown screen pass. Yeah, he was, right. He wasn't really covering anybody. He was just running to the ball. He saw the errant throw and, and went and made a – Made a good hero play. He also made another good hero play on special teams, stuffing the Jeremy Chin uh, fake yep. field goal attempt. So, which he by really, the way, what a play call! Everybody yeah. in the stadium, and <laughs> everybody there many people there, but yeah. everybody knew that was that a was fake spot. Just leave your offense out there. Yeah, and they gave the ball to Mike Davis on the down before instead of Christian McCaffrey. Oh, it's, yeah, I that think was that was a big part of the turning point for Carolina. that was a Baylor moment right there John that, that, was, that was Matt Rule thinking he was back at Baylor <laughs> you know and uh, and he's not because uh you know the, listen the Buccaneers special teams have had their struggles today really wasn't one of those days uh, you mentioned the kicker whatever his name was being really good today. right suck up yep and uh but we're not going to name his name ever again no right but- no, we're not gonna mention Ryan suck up no, Never we're not going to mention his name because no we don't want to jinx him, whoever nope. he is. Not Ryan. But but then you've got uh, you know that play on special teams, and and really the Buccaneers didn't screw up anything. I think they were a little tighter in punt return. Uh, mm. I should say in punt coverage. A couple and of missed so, tackles on one, the first one, I think. Yeah, but I mean, there wasn't the liability that it was, you know, in in, uh, in New Orleans. Right. And we talked about Whitehead, but let's talk about about Winfield today. Boy, the second round pick. Wait, wait, Scott, team. Scott, Scott, you just mentioned Winfield. Yes. And you know what that makes me think of? What does it make you think of, Mark? It makes me think of Hurricane Winfield. So it's not the same thing, but. Oh, like a field Winf- of wind. Yes. You're saying. Yes. Like, like a you massive know, amount of wind. When there's a hurricane coming, you want to know, are you going to be in the path of the Winfield? Not right. the An- An- Antoine or Antone. I always mix that up, Antoine Winfield, Jr. Winfield, but the actual right. Hurricane Winfield. And if you are, you need to be protected. And there's one place to do that, one place only that Pewter Report trusts, and that's our good friends at Briar Greaves Insurance. Three generations, 30 years in business surfing, serving the greater Tampa Bay area. They're an award-winning agency. They sell personal, commercial insurance, home, auto, boat, life, flood, commercial. Guys, did you know a few years ago when Princess Diana's dresses were touring the United States in an exhibit, 
Guess who insured those dresses? I'm going to guess Briar Greaves. Briar Greaves did. That's it. If you can think of something that needs insuring, call Briar Greaves. They'll take care of it. They'll protect you from that Hurricane Winfield as well, or at least make sure that your home is protected with enough coverage in case you are in that Winfield. 813-876-4166. 813-876-4166. Give Sam, give Briar a call. You'll talk to them directly, not some customer service rep in a call center in the middle of Dubuque, Iowa or Illinois or wherever Dubuque is, you'll talk to them directly in their Tampa office. Give them a shout again, 813-876-4166. I'm sorry. Go back to the other Winfield now, Scott. Well, yes. And this particular Winfield played like a hurricane today. He was, he was all over Ayo. the field. 11 tackles. He had his first sack that ended up being a sack fumble recovered by JPP. And the Bucks cashed in on that play, um, I think, immediately thereafter, right? That was, that was the, the touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. To, yep, Mike, to Mike Mike Evans, Evans yep. right at, yep. right after that. So that's a really quick bang bang uh, sack strip. Uh, JPP recovers touchdown Buccaneers. So Winfield boy, eleven tackles, and I thought one of his most important tackles of the day was I want to say his first one, which was on a nine yard Christian McCaffrey run. I don't know if the TV angle showed it, but touchdown certainly at, saving. at the stadium it was touchdown saving yep. if he gets by winfield he's gone for 70 80 yards however many yards it was and and the thing that i like about winfield is just how sure of a tackler he is john did you see that on tape yeah. at minnesota just his wrap-up style i mean he he takes great angles he he breaks down well uh it's just a form tackle uh, almost every time with this kid he's not just a knockout guy like you see with a lot of young safeties in particular that come into the league that got away with that in high school and college i mean um you know technique wise he's he's really solid and i think that comes a lot from again we talk about it and we'll keep mentioning it until he quits playing but you know having a dad that played 14 years in the league i mean you get i guarantee you his dad had him out in the backyard as a seven-year-old with a tackling dummy and yeah. do it again, do it again, do it the right way. And I think you've seen that paying off for him so far in his early NFL career. Yeah, his dad was one of the best tackling corners we've ever seen too. And so, I mean, I think it's one of those things, his form is just really, really good. You know, you, one of the things you look for in your scouting is just a tackle radius, like meaning like how big and long are their arms and how, how much can they get guys on the ground if they have to tackle outside of their frame because in the NFL angles change quickly. So you want to make sure – you can get he's guys five foot ground. nine, John. He's right, like the he's, guy. He, right. He doesn't have that, and he's still a really good tackler. And it's closing speed and it's angles and uh, knowing where and how to hit people. And so that's one of the encouraging things about him. And I thought he played well pass defense too. I'll be anxious to see the all twenty two and kind of get a better glimpse in the secondary and see some of the things that went wrong. Panthers with a pair of one hundred yard receivers, but honestly, guys, I didn't really think the Bucks played a mu- a ton better than they did against the Saints. I thought it was just that they forced the other team into mistakes and that the Panthers made a lot of mistakes in the, in the other game where the saints did not. And to me, that was like the big difference in the game between the two was the rate, the, the numbers bucks still made mistakes, but not as many, only five penalties, right. not as costly penalties as they were in the other game. So not nearly as many mistakes for the bucks and way more mistakes by the other team. That's been the story of their well, season so far to me, if the bucks don't make them in the first game, I think they're two and zero to be honest. Yeah, and, and I think the thing, too, is is uh, what we saw today kind of buttressed one of the points I made in the preview and also on the Insider Show, on WDE, and I think even our, our podcast on Thursday, is just the, the speed difference. Uh, the I'm telling you, the Saints receivers are pedestrian in terms of their speed. Michael Thomas is not a blazer. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders used to be, but not anymore at age 33. 
and you could just see the difference in speed on the field in Carolina. Uh, you look at, at DJ Moore had a 30-yard catch, uh, eight catches, 120 yards. Robbie Anderson, a 39-yard catch, nine catches for 109 yards. You've got a guy like McCaffrey coming out of the backfield. Curtis Samuel held in check a little bit. He was a speedster, uh, two catches, 13 yards today. But we just saw the Panthers' speed stretch the Bucks a little bit uh, horizontal, horizontally, vertically, uh, really kind of maximizing, um, you know, the, 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 the field where I think the, the saints, so much of their stuff is, is 10 yards and in it's possession type football and, and Carolina's offense a bit more explosive due to that speed. It was good to see though, the Buccaneers were able to, to kind of match that and hang with, with them. A couple of those, those big plays get out of the gate, but I think that was the biggest difference. And that's why the yardage, uh, disparity is there between week one and week two for the Buccaneers defenses. Just the Panthers had just faster players on the field. Scott, I could have made probably a million dollars today if I would have at halftime uh, bet the Cowboys coming back to beat the Falcons. And I thought about it because I had, you know, like a thousand dollars to blow today. I couldn't think of anywhere to go to put that money down. Oh, you should have texted me, Mark. I could have told you that my bookie is the place to make that bet. Damn it. Or, or, you, or really, if you just pay attention to every podcast, we oh, mention yeah. it as well there, too. True. Good point. But listen, uh, Pewter Nation, uh, winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane prop bets like the one Mark just talked about. Epic bonuses, the craziest cross-sport wagers you'll find. At my bookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice the NFL's return, and that means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Now, you can get in on the action, and if you use the promo code PEWTER, they're going to double your first deposit. What? New, new players get up to $1,000 in free play. That's designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet on. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code PEWTER and double your first deposit today. Your winning season begins... Only at my bookie. I should have called them. I should have texted you. I should have got the information because that was a, a big money bet. I actually did have a friend during the Florida State Georgia Tech game who made that prop bet at halftime when Georgia Tech was down that mm-hmm. they would still cover the spread. And um, and and my buddy showed me the um, the the email back the receipt. The guy the guy won twelve hundred dollars wow. by making that bet. So anyway, Dang. there's things you can think of. My bookie, you name it. They're all halftime bets, prop bets. Is, is Joe Buck going to have more hair plugs? I mean, there's a million different bets you can bet on with my bookie. So definitely right, check so them out. L- let's, let's talk about a couple of things real quick. We're taping this Sunday night after the Bucks' victory over the Carolina Panthers 31-17. Um, a couple interesting things just around the league as we wrap up this podcast. Denver, next week's opponent for Tampa Bay. They, they held tight even though they lost their quarterback, Drew Locke, in the first quarter. Uh, to an injury, he's got an AC sprain on his right throwing shoulder. He was one of five for 20 yards against that Steelers defense. And uh, and then he exited. Jeff Driscoll came oh in the boy. game, former Florida Gators quarterback. Boo. And he was 18 of 34, 256 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and actually kept the Broncos in it for a minute. They lost 26-21 at Pittsburgh. So the Broncos now 0-2, and they're in complete desperation mode as the Buccaneers come to town next Sunday. Melvin Gordon had 70 yards. Uh, Royce Freeman had 20 yards. 
So, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to rely a little bit they're, more on the running game, I think. I tell you they're what, the Bucks are – I mean, the, the Broncos are absolutely bad. Cortland Sutton was playing today on and off, in and out of the lineup. I don't yeah. think he finished the game. Um, he's hurt. Uh, who else? Is Jerry Judy got knocked out for a while today. I don't know if he came back into the game or, or not. Uh, in this one, Garrett Bowles has been playing with a sprained elbow. I don't know if he finished the game today. Remember, Juwan James, the right tackle, already gone. Jack yeah. Barrett. Vaughn Miller's gone. Elijah Wilkinson got tore up by T.J. Watt in this game. Uh, Vaughn T.J. Miller Watt out. had yeah. three and a half sacks. If you look at the Steelers, yeah. they had seven sacks today. Right. A.J. Bouye was hurt this or Bouye was hurt uh, today. I don't know if he'll be back next week. I mean, that's those are like a ton of their best players. I mean, they they are just absolutely decimated with injuries even early in the season. And Driscoll's no joke, but pressure him, and it's the same stories and call. I mean. Pressure, he just makes all kinds of mistakes. Uh, yeah, pressure, my favorite Gil Brandt's, my favorite Gil Brandt story, and I love Gil Brandt. He's like 118 years old, but I remember a few years ago listening to him on yeah, NFL Network, that. and he goes, Jeff Driscoll is going to be a number one draft pick, a quarterback in the NFL. And I'm like, okay, well, that didn't really pan out. Didn't he transfer yeah. to go to like Louisiana Tech or yeah. Somewhere like yeah. that, the players yeah, last to, year. To Louisiana Tech, yeah. But be, he did beat the Buccaneers in preseason. On. Remember that when he was I, yeah, at Cincinnati a few Bengals, years ago? Right. Yeah. He'll be he the number out one. Two pick. to six weeks, though, right? So it's definitely going to be Driscoll. It's definitely going to be Driscoll. Yeah. 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 I, I think the Driscoll would be a number one pick in his dad's fantasy football league. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> dad, dad wants to pick it. his son. I, think I don't even think that, that happens. Well, we're, yeah. we're laughing and watching him light up Buccaneers up for 400 <laughs> yeah. yards. And one, one real quick thing, and Scott and I talked about this, John. I want to get your thoughts before we get off the podcast. Scott and I talked about it on his, on his way home. Uh, and again, not to be negative, the Buccaneers won, but I think they gave up 366 yards passing to Bridgewater today. Right. Um, is, how concerning is that? I told Scott, it's in the back of my mind. It's not in the front of my mind, but it's in the back of my mind. It's, it's something I think that, you know, uh, again, they were playing from behind. When you get down 21-0, you throw a lot and you take some chances. But th that's a little concerning. Not a lot, but a little concerning, right? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I think that we're going to have to really look at the tape and see kind of what happened on the back end and why a lot of those things, why a lot of those receptions were so open. It didn't seem like many were contested either. And it seemed like almost all of it came against zone coverage, which is the same thing that yeah. happened with the Raiders. And I think we've seen just a lot of zone from the Bucks this season and I, I would like to see more man to man we have not seen hardly any uh press man from the box this season and so i think that that's i mean you have these big long corners play play press man and so i well, just don't you, think, I think i think when you get up 21 nothing i think sometimes coaches again not saying todd yeah. bowles went into a shell but you know that's a safer coverage right so you know well, it, it, yeah it's it's designed to, to chew clock it's designed right. to uh have 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 them march down the field rather than the quick strikes and and keep the ball in the middle of the field so you but but you've got to you've got to be there and and there was some yeah. miscommunication with Sean Murphy bunting and and which which safety was that on that play uh the, it would have been on the right side of the field the one down the uh, left side I'm sorry the play um, right a couple of plays before the Carlton Davis interception yeah. it yeah. was some type of inverted coverage and Carlton Davis was dropping back to safety and yeah. Winfield was rolling up I believe oh, okay and it just Carlton Davis in that rotation didn't know what I think he was the one that didn't know what he was doing I think but I had mm -hmm. to look at it to be sure but well it's interesting because right now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers one and one the Atlanta Falcons just completely choked and uh and losing I got a to great Falcons stat you guys ready for this one the sure. Falcons had 39 points with zero turnovers in their loss against the Cowboys entering today 
Teams were 440 and 0 and scoring 39 <laughs> points with zero turnovers since 1933. Oh, wow. Team turnovers were first track, according to Elias. That is well, brutal. Yeah. Well, one of my bold predictions in this week's two point conversion is going to be that when the Buccaneers play the Falcons later this year for their their December doubleheader, they always kind of play them late, later in the season. Uh, Dan Quinn is not going to be the head coach. They're, they're going to get fired. He, Randy <laughs> Morris, yeah, it's it's going to happen. Um, well, their special teams coach has to be fired like tonight. I mean, oh, that onside kick that was awful. Literally reminded yeah. me of of a, of a pee wee or a, a whatever league you played in, Scott. What was it? The Powder Pop Puff Warner. League? Pop Warner. Pop, Pop, Sorry, you not, know, not Powder up. Puff. Pop Sorry. Warner. Sorry. Yeah. Don't maybe. But I mean, play. if you look at Raheem Morris, former Bucks head coach, and he was promoted to the defensive coordinator role this year by Dan Quinn, gave up thirty eight points to the Seahawks in week one. And then here they are in week two, giving up 40 points uh, to the Dallas Cowboys. So just an awful start for the Falcons. I'm sure Buccaneer fans are, are just heartbroken at the fact that the Falcons are 0-2 right now, along with the Panthers being 0-2. And it's going to be interesting to see tonight how the Saints fare against those Seattle Seahawks. Um, oh, wait, no, they're playing the Raiders. Sorry. Raiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're playing, they're playing the New Raiders England, on, on Monday New night. New England's taking on Seattle yes. tonight, right? Yeah, correct. Right. So, so the Saints so and the Raiders. So they'll be one and one. It'd be interesting to see how how the Saints do without their top possession receiver, Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hey, guys, uh, today is Sunday. You know what tomorrow is? Monday. Which means what, Scott? Monday Night it's Football. That too, but it's also Dollar Mania Night at Pin Chasers. Pin Chasers located in the Tampa Bay area with three locations, Zephyr Hills over on the Veterans, also the one in Armenia. Every Monday is Dollar Mania starting at 9 o'clock at night. So they've got TVs all over the place. You can go watch Monday Night Football. Are the Lightning playing tomorrow night? Yes. There you go. They'll have TVs for the Lightning and also for Monday Night Football. You can play, uh, I mean, sorry, you can bowl for eleven ninety nine from 9 until closing for each person. But more importantly, enjoy $1 draft beers, Pepsi products, and hot dogs. So reserve your lane today. They're running at 50% capacity, so they'll fill up. But it's Dollar Mania on Mondays. Go to pinchasers.net, reserve your lane now, and, um, and go support one of our longtime sponsors. Uh, Pinchasers have been with us since our very first Pewter Nation podcast, and uh, we want to keep them around for a long time. They've been in the Bay Area for, for years and years. Big Bucks fans, season ticket holders. Monday is Dollar Mania night. Tuesday night is Pizza Bowl. Wednesday night is Bone Bowling. On Thursday night, they have a, a, another special where it's eleven ninety nine, and they enjoy $1 Miller Lights while you bowl. Friday and Saturday night, they have the Cyber Bowling. That's a fun time as well. Check them out, pinchasers.net. Anthony Peroni and family, we appreciate their support of our Peter Nation podcast. You know, one last thing as we, we peer ahead, and we talked about the Broncos being the Bucks' next opponent. But the one after that will be the last home game, hopefully without fans, because it was awkward being at the stadium today without fans. I'm just telling you, it was awkward. There's um, no reason. There, Scott, I'm sorry. I, want, I wanted to text this during our group yeah. thing. But I didn't. There, there's just no reason why there wasn't some fans. If Miami, I agree. I agree. Hotbed, and again, not going to get political and all. It doesn't matter. But if Miami can have fans for Miami Hurricane football, for Miami Dolphin football, yep. uh, Miami-Dade was a – Major hotbed for the COVID situation, at least yeah, way more than Hillsborough State. County for sure. Big time. Yeah, we uh, can just we can figure out a way to do this safely. Where you have a certain, it's a huge state. I mean, just 
get somebody in there. Like we can figure out a way to do this without putting people at risk. Like, well, here's one of the dumbest things too. And and the the listeners out there, you're not going to really appreciate what I'm going to say at all, but Mark, I know you will. About Ryan Suckup? No, shh. We're not mentioning his name. Sorry, forgot. Okay. All right. Ron Longwell, go ahead. No, <laughs> um, the press box elevator, limited to just four people. That's it. Four people oh. in that elevator. Well, that's, that's good. It. That's wonderful. That's because I, you know, how many times I get out of that press uh, press box elevator because I get in, I'm waiting in line, I get in, and then all of a sudden somebody comes around the corner and 15 people pile in. Yeah, I just like, jump out. Literally 12 people in the press box elevator sometimes, oh, and God. it's tiny. <laughs> But it's just dumb to have only four because, first of all, the elevator, the elevator takes forever yeah. to go up and down. Second of all, it's so small, you can't even socially distance with four people. So why not just fill it up? Was our elevator operator lady there? Nope. It's been doing it for you. And what? Y'all had to do it, push the buttons on your own? Wow. Tough. We managed. But, mm-hmm. but the point I was going to say is Justin Herbert is taking over at quarterback for the Chargers today, a surprise start for him. I and think right Tyler now, got hurt. Didn't he? Oh, is that what happened? Okay. I'm pretty yeah, sure. I wasn't watching. Yeah. But, it was like but, very, very beginning of the game, like first play or something. They're tied up in overtime, 20-20 with the Chiefs, with Herbert throwing for th- over 300 yards in his first NFL action. So Yeah, he had a touchdown drive on his first. Uh, no, no, he, he did. Uh, let's see. Tyrod. I think Tyrod was in for the first play of the game, and that was it. Something okay. like that. But. Yeah, he did some good things, some really bad things. Chargers coming to town in two weeks for the Bucks' next home game. So keep an eye on on the LA Chargers. They're uh, they're one and zero, and and if they can knock off the Chiefs, that'd be a huge upset for uh, the young Justin Herbert, first round pick out of Oregon. So all right, for Matt Matera, our producer extraordinaire, for John Ledyard and Scott Reynolds, I'm Mark Cook. Saying we'll see you later this week with another edition of the Pewter Nation podcast. Out. Out. Oh.